We've had a good time. Thank God for his goodness toward us and his mercy and just meeting with us this evening. And uh, Brother Wells, good to see you. Uh, I guess you're here to hear me preach tonight, ain't you? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've seen all them grandbabies. That's what that is. That's all right. But I appreciate y'all being in the house of the Lord tonight. I do feel like I need to say this, Brother Ricky. Uh, Brother Ricky hadn't said, and I know he said this about three or four, it seemed like every night. He has said every night that I didn't tell Brother Randy anything. I haven't told anybody anything. I hadn't said anything to Brother Randy. Well, let me say this. Neither has anybody else. Nobody else has either. Uh, Because I, you know, I I talked to some of us, it's almost like um, they didn't believe me. I mean, really Nobody has said anything to me about anything at any time. I have not. If, if you got hit by something, I didn't do it on purpose. I ain't taking it back because that's what the Lord said. That's what the Bible said. I hadn't took shots at nobody. I've just tried to preach the Bible. I found out when you do that, you don't have to take it back. You don't have to say, I didn't mean that because it's straight out of the book. But I wasn't shooting at anybody. I had nobody in mind of anything that I've said. And I know Brother Grant's the same way. So nobody said nothing, not just Brother Ricky, nobody said anything. And if I'm lying, I'm telling you, I hope lying. That's right, right over where Samuel Freed is, amen. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm not, amen. I'm, I'm telling the truth. Nobody said anything, but I appreciate that. And I appreciate the church being good to us. And Brother Ricky gave me my expense check last night. And so uh, that's a blessing, amen, preacher. I appreciate that. And then I'll get the rest of it tonight, I guess, after service. But that's, man, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Church is very, very good to us. Matter of fact, I got you down next week. Amen. Same thing. Amen. So that's a blessing. Oh, we appreciate the good offering that y'all took up for my children. And y'all pray uh, for our family there. My wife's not here tonight. She's backslid. I mean, she's uh, at the house trying to get some things ready. Uh, but uh, we're, I'm, I'm going to miss a Sunday. Uh, this coming Sunday, it's the first Sunday we missed there in quite a while at the church, and we're going over to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. There's a lot of folks fleeing the hurricane there, and but we're supposed to be over there in that area, and y'all pray for us, and pray for the church that the Lord's will will be done, and I know God's got a timetable for everything, and I don't want to miss God. Uh, I want to do what the Lord would have me to do, and uh, I just want to be, I, I really, I'm telling you the truth, I just want a place where my wife and my children can go to church, hear the word of God, and, uh, and I've got children. God needs to do a work in their heart, my, my two youngest children. I thank God for my children. They don't have a perfect daddy. I don't have perfect children. I don't want them to be perfect. I want them to be saved, amen? And then I know God can do the work in their heart. So pray for them. Pray for the church situation there uh, that the Lord's will be done. I thank God for my pastor. Uh, amen. I want somebody to tell me the truth. I didn't know when I got saved, I didn't know the difference in regular Baptist, general Baptist, primitive Baptist, all in when I read, when I would read about regular Baptist, I said, well, I'm regular. Primitive Baptist, I like old time way, so I guess I'm primitive Baptist. General, I said, well, I guess I believe generally what the Baptist believe, but I found out that wasn't, none of that was right. I didn't know the difference, Southern Baptist, none of that. I said, well, I'm in the South, I guess I'm Southern Baptist. Man. I witness for Jehovah. I guess I'm Jehovah's witness. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I thought about 
all those things. I didn't know no difference in any denominations, none of that. But I knew that there's a place I could go and hear the truth. And that was Concord Baptist Church in Fairmount, Georgia. And that's how you need to feel about your church. Amen. And uh, I appreciate everything that's been done these days. And I, I love you, preacher. I thank God for him. He's my friend and, and have helped our, me and my family. And uh, I thank the Lord for him. All right, preacher, you want me to preach? I mean, all right. Turn to the book of John tonight. John in chapter number 20. John chapter number 20. We're going to begin reading in verse number 25. John in chapter number 20 and verse number 25. And uh, no, y'all pray for my wife. We're we trying to get ready and we're leaving tomorrow. Of course, got a wedding to go to there at the church uh, tomorrow afternoon and then we'll be heading to Columbia. So y'all pray for us there that the Lord's will uh, would be done and God would just help us and protect us. And I sure am glad that God's let me come and be back with you here. And thank you, Brother Ricky, for your trust. I don't take that lightly. A man trusts me with his people. Try my best to try to be a help and try to be a blessing. Let's stand as we read the word of the Lord. I know it's getting toward nine o'clock. We've done had a couple of casualties and two or three of you is uh, right on the borderline right now. If you look back through there, you're nodding off or whatever. And so if you go, if you're getting sleepy, just reach over and pop yourself real good. And if it gets real bad, reach over and sleep per, slap person next to you. Because I guarantee if you do that, they'll wake you up. I promise you. John chapter number 19, begin reading in verse number 25. The Bible said, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Verse 30 will be my text verse tonight. The Bible said, When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Thank you. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight on this phrase, or this actually just one word that Jesus used. Now, it's translated, of course, correctly in our King James Bible. It is finished. But in the original Greek language, this is actually one word that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke, and that word is tetelestai. And I want to preach a little bit tonight on it is finished, or the finished work of Calvary. Now, the ancient Greeks used to boast of how they could express a great meaning in just one word, and that is the word that Jesus used in this text. And I tell you, I don't know what Calvary means to you, but Calvary means more than any else to me because see I was lost and undone without God and Jesus Christ took my place at the cross. You know I can tell where I'm at spiritually on how Calvary touches my heart. You know I thank God for Isaiah when he said but he was wounded for our transgressions. Those are outward sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. Those are our inward sins. Thank God you do not have to bear your sins anymore if you'll take your place at Calvary. And when Jesus cried this word it is finished, he did not mean that he was finished. As a matter of fact, in the great scheme of things, he was just really getting started. This thing is just getting, let me say this tonight, I'm glad the world has not seen the last of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's coming back, and I believe that. But no doubt the demons of hell rejoiced with glee and said, you know, we got him, we've done him in, 
moment when they heard him say, it is finished, but he was not finished. Even his disciples were disappointed. And they said, well, it's over now. Uh, there's no use to us even doing this. What in the world are we even following for? But the Lord Jesus Christ showed up there in that upper room when they were perplexed and fearful and let them know that he was not finished and told them to go tell everybody and commission them to tell everybody that I am not finished, that I am alive and well. Now we read it is finished in the book of John. Matthew tells us in Matthew 27 and Luke tells us in Luke 23 that when Jesus cried, he cried with a loud voice. That means it was not a whisper. It was not in a weak voice. Matthew and Luke tells us it was a loud cry and that loud cry that Jesus echoed there was it is finished. And listen, this whole strength was behind this cry that Jesus cried with that loud voice, with that powerful voice, not with a weak voice, but in a voice of triumph, it is finished. And it was not whispered in weakness. It was announced to the world with a ringing, a loud voice that it is finished, a shout of victory and a shout of triumph and a shout of completion. And since the determinate counsel of God, the plan was set forth in motion for the reclaiming of lost humanity and anybody now can be saved if they'll come to the Lamb of God. Uh, but listen, these words were but a part of God's plan of redeeming fallen man. And nobody could have stopped it from happening. You say, why did Jesus say it is finished? First of all, he said it is finished because it fulfilled prophecy. The prophecies were finished. Jesus did not die ahead of time. He did not die behind time, but he died on time. 30 prophecies were fulfilled when the Lord Jesus Christ said it is finished and God in the flesh checked off everyone with amazing precision and when he fulfilled that last prophecy and said I thirst he said it is finished because all the prophecies were fulfilled. See as you study the Old Testament you'll see the promised seed that was talked about in Genesis in chapter number 3. We see where the adversary would attack that promised seed and listen the adversary has used politically and militarily people to try to stop this from happening in hopes of preventing the words it is finished coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Even back in Genesis in chapter number 3 we can see where the adversary attacked that seed. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. The Bible said, and I will put an enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that's when the battle of the ages began. Way back in the book of Genesis and that battle has been raging ever since. You think about all the battles that's gone on in the Old Testament of the great wars that Israel fought between their enemies. But really, if you look behind them all, it is the adversary of the devil that was scheming, that was using those tactics to attack that seed that was promised way back in the book of Genesis. And he did come and he attacked that seed of the woman. I believe that's starting with the murder of Abel. You can see the first murder in the Bible. I believe the adversary put that in the mind of Cain that he took that life of Abel because the adversary thought that Abel was the promised seed. I really believe that. And he took that seed and he attacked that seed of the woman. But God had said because you cannot stop the plan of 
God. I think about how you can see that how evil was all over the land in Genesis in chapter number six and people's thoughts were only evil continually uh, but Noah was that, that seed of the woman and Satan's scheme came close to succeeding but God preserved Noah and his family through the provision of the ark. You can see in Genesis in chapter number 12 in the story of the seed of the woman going from Noah there to Abraham uh, but Abraham and Sarah in their old age had that Isaac to protect that promised seed. Then you got Jacob and Esau, uh, the father of the Edomites and Amalekites. Of course, that was Esau. You can see the battle. You can think about Pharaoh and how he tried to take out that promised deliverer. No doubt Satan behind every bit of it as he's trying to destroy that promised seed. Uh, but God had a mama by the name of Jochebed and that mama had a Moses and Jochebed prayed and Jochebed put Moses there in that ark because you cannot stop the plan of God. I tell you, Noah made it right there right on time and pulled up with Pharaoh's daughter down yonder at the river because God had a plan. You will not stop God's plan. I'm glad tonight God's got his hand on the wheel and his foot on the throttle and you cannot stop the plan of God. You think about and listen, I gotta mention Esther. No doubt we know about that Haman had conspired to have the king of Persia to annihilate the Jews and we read the book of Esther and Haman actually was an Amalekite uh, working trying to get de the devil's plan to work but Haman ended up hanging on his own gallows because you cannot stop the plan of God. In the New Testament you got Herod where the males two years and younger were supposed to be massacred after the visit from the Magi. I say this when Jesus said it is finished he prophesied it he said he would do it and he finished the work because the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled uh, with every jot and every tittle. Let me say this. When Jesus said, it is finished, he fulfilled the prophecy. Amen. Something else, he fulfilled the patterns of the Old Testament. When he said, it is finished, all the types all the Jewish predictions, all the sacrifices have now received their final accomplishment when Jesus said it is finished. See, when you entered the tabernacle in the wilderness, the very first thing that you saw was that fiery altar where the sacrifice was laid, that it would be burned with fire and consumed. In the book of Leviticus in chapter number one in verse five, it said, and he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces and the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire and the priest Aaron's son shall lay the parts the head the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar verse 9 but its inwards and its legs shall be washed with water and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be burnt sacrifice as the Bible said an offering made by fire of a sweet Savior unto the Lord. And you think about that when you walk in and you see that fiery altar that's totally consuming the sacrifice. We see that picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he is there and God poured out his wrath upon him and he's burned there. I mean, he's totally consumed by the white hot wrath of God. I'm so glad tonight I don't have to die and go to hell because Jesus paid the debt at the cross of Calvary. I think about all the types there. I think about the law of the leper. I just thought about that a while ago back in Leviticus in chapter number 14.
16, when that law of the leper, the Bible said, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed, uh, cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over running water and he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. You say, what's that the picture of? Well, living, he loving, he loved me, dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. I'm telling you this, if you're saved by the good grace of God, Jesus Christ took your sins to the cross of Calvary and according to the Roman writer, he took your sins, he was dead, he was buried and he rose again the third day for your justification. Listen, when Jesus died, you died. When he was buried, he was buried along with your sin. But when he arose, he arose justified. And I'm telling you this tonight, if you're saved by the grace of God, your sins are gone. He fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. He fulfilled those Old Testament patterns the coat that was provided in the book of Genesis, the lamb pictured in the book of Exodus, the pardon there seen in the book of Leviticus on the day of atonement where the two rams were brought in. I could go on and on, but I thought about what John the Baptist said when he said, behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. It was finished because it was the father's purpose. See, it all began in a lowly stable, a king born in a stable. And Jesus chose the time he would die. He chose the place he would die. And he chose the hour that he would die and say it is finished. In John chapter number 10 and verse 17, he said, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me. He said, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my father. And when Jesus said it is finished, he used the same word that was used back in the day when a servant would have completed his task. This servant would come back and bow down before his master and instead of saying, I finished the work that you gave me to do or I've done what you've commanded, he would simply bow down before his master and say what Jesus said, it is finished. He would just simply say the word that Jesus used. I thought about Philippians chapter two and verse eight. said, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. At Jesus Christ at the age of 33. He could say, Father, I, gave, I did the work that you gave me to do. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 7. Then said, I lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to, uh, to, of me to do thy will, O God. This was a word not only used of that, that day by a servant, but it was also a, a word that was used by the artists of the day. The great artists, some of the greatest art came from this period of time of the life of Christ. And when an artist with a completed the masterpiece when he had made his final stroke when all would come together the artist would stand back and look at the canvas and make one final stroke and say it is finished that's the same word that Jesus used you know what when you see somebody and they're painting a painting and when they first begin you know you've got a blank canvas and it don't really look like a whole lot and I thought about this the reason it don't look like a whole lot to me and you is because we're not the artist amen I mean listen we're not the one 
that is painting. We don't have in our mind what the artist has. But Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, when he's talking about even going to the cross, he's putting that blank canvas up in front of them. And he's talking about going to Calvary. And Peter said, be it far from me, Lord. They didn't even understand what he was talking about. But what Jesus was doing, he was making that strokes on the canvas of Calvary. And he was writing and he was painting. And he was letting them know that he knew what he was doing. And what happened when Jesus made that final stroke at the canvas of Calvary? He stood back and said, it is finished. Do you know this? You can see when somebody starts to paint, it looks like a mess. Do you know what the Bible said in Ephesians chapter number two and verse 10? Said, for we are his workmanship. Do you know that word workmanship? It literally means that we are a piece of art. I mean, listen, you say, you don't look like a whole lot. Honey, you ought to see before the Lord got a hold of it. I mean, listen, it's not what you see. I'm glad God did not see what it was, but he saw what it could be. And what the Lord Jesus did at the cross of Calvary, he made that final stroke and said, it is finished. But I'll say in my own life, my life was a mess. I mean, listen, it looked like chaos all over the place. And there was absolutely no direction. But the Lord made that stroke in my own life. I mean, listen, now there is a masterpiece at the cross of Calvary, but there's a masterpiece in every one of us that had been to the cross of Calvary. I'm glad Jesus said in my own life, 19 years ago, it's finished. The battle's over. The struggle's over. Praise God, I waved the white flag. I said, God, I made a mess of my life. Lord, you can have it. I tell you, thank God, he changed my life when he said it's finished to me. This word was a word that was used to the merchants of the day. When there was a business transaction that would take place when a man would pay his bill in full, rather than marking that bill that just simply put paid in full, they would put this word that Jesus used. They would stamp this word to tell us See, because of the finished work of Calvary, there's nothing more that you and I can do. We can't add to our salvation because our salvation is paid in full. Romans chapter number 11, verse six said, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. See, you cannot mix works and grace. Jesus bought and paid for your salvation. And when Jesus cried, it is finished, though all the work was done. That means water baptism's not gonna get you there. And church membership, will not get you there and good works will not get you there. When Jesus said it is finished, this word was also a word that was used by the judges of the day. Back in the day when the man would be put in prison, what he had done, the charges against him were put on his prison door. Sometimes people would pass by and they would see this individual that had been incarcerated. And a lot of times they would take that bill of whatever it was against them and the charges laid against them. If it was a thief, sometimes they would make them wear an actual sign over them saying, I am a thief. And when people would walk by, they would see that bill of charges against them and they would see what they had done to put them in prison. But they would be kept incarcerated to the allotted time that the judge had sentenced them. And when he had paid his debt to society, they would write that bill off and that charges against him. And the judge would take a stamp on that bill. He would say, bring me the bill of charges. And they would say, your honor, this man served his time. He's paid his debt. And the judge would take a stamp, just the same stamp, the same word that Jesus used. And he'd put that stamp on that charge and say, it is finished. That means there are no more charges that the state could render against him. The Bible said in Colossians 2.14, 
14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That means the bill of charges that was against us, Jesus took them all the way at the cross of Calvary. He nailed it to the cross. He took that bill of charges that was against you and I, and he marked them paid in full. The bill of charges that was against us, they were nailed to the cross. Listen, if you're saved tonight, you don't have to worry about the law coming back and getting you on a technicality, amen? The Bible said, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The law said, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. And one day the Holy Ghost said, you're guilty. And he took the law and said, look how you've transgressed the law. Look what you've done. You're guilty, you're guilty. And it brought us to a place where we said, you're right, God. It's me, it's me, it's me. And the Holy Ghost said, no. Look to him, look to him, look to him. That's what the law did. The law condemned you. And the law could never convert you. The law said, it's you. Until you say, yes, it's me. The Bible said, Galatians, uh, Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. This word was a word that was used in the warriors of the day. When the war was over, the warrior would come before the general or he would come home to his family and he would simply bow down when the victory was won and he would say, Tetelestai, it is finished. Yes, the victory was won. The great words would mark the end of the journey that he would, re I mean, that these warriors and these soldiers would go out and they would battle and their family would be concerned. But when they got victory and they knew the battle was over, they would come home and say, it's over with, it is finished. Matthew chapter number 12 and verse 28, Jesus said, but if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. See, when Jesus, came when he came and he entered into the strong man's house and he spoiled him and he got the victory no doubt the adversary thought he had won no doubt the adversary thought he had gotten the victory but when Jesus cried it is finished it was a warrior's word and he was saying I fought the battle I've met you on your own territory and I've destroyed you I've defeated you and no doubt the adversary said we've got it when he said it is finished one day went by two days went by three days went by and the adversary said, we finally got him. I took out the promised seed. I finally killed the Son of God. But after three days and three nights, the earth started quaking and the rocks rended and the adversary got to looking around and said, fellas, have y'all seen my keys anywhere? I've lost my keys somewhere. And Jesus said, I'm he that was alive. I am alive. He said, I was dead. He said, but I'm alive forevermore. And I've got the keys of hell and of death because Jesus cried in. It is finished. You know, somebody was talking, it's been mentioned throughout this time, throughout the meeting about the devil wearing them out. You know, the Bible said in Zechariah chapter number three and verse one, the Bible said, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that had chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now, if you read the context of Zechariah chapter number three, what happened was the adversary was coming and he was accusing the nation of Israel. He was accusing 
using God's chosen people. And he was saying, look what you've done to them and look how you've turned your back. Look how they've turned their back against you. Look how they've mistreated you. Look how they broke your laws. Look how they are not thankful to you of all your blessings. But if you'll read this, the Bible said this, that Satan was at the right hand resisting the high priest. He was at the right hand of Joshua and began to accuse him. I'll tell you something tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's no accident that Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 11 said in every priest standing, daily ministering and offering off time the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, I'm talking about saying it is finished. He offered one sacrifice for sin. The Bible said he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Hey, when the adversary comes to accuse and when the adversary says God don't love you anymore and when the adversary says you're not going to make it, I'm glad we've got an advocate with the Father at the right hand of the throne of God and when he's accusing at the right hand, Jesus is defending at the right hand because he said it is finished. This word was a word that was used at the end of the battle when the war was over the winning general and the losing general would meet in the middle of the battlefield and that battlefield was referred to as no man's land. And this victorious general and the losing general, they would ride out in the middle of no man's land with all the soldiers watching. That losing general would dismount his horse. He would walk over to the victorious general. He would take his armor off. He would lay down his sword and he would expose his neck and lay on the ground. The victorious general would step on the neck of the losing general. And he would step on his neck and he would raise his sword high in victory. And he would say the same word that Jesus used. He would say the word, it is finished. Back in Genesis chapter number three, he said, I tell you what's gonna happen. You, you, you will, you will, you will hurt him and you will bruise his heel, but I'm telling you there's gonna come a day where he's gonna crush your head. And I tell you what happened at the cross of Calvary. I'm telling you the devil, he will growl and he will roar and he will lie and he'll say, God don't love you and you ain't gonna make it. But I got news for him tonight and I know I'm no match for him. I don't say this, praise God. I know somebody that is. He come down here this earth he come down here, praise God, over 2,000 years ago and skunked the devil 777 to nothing on his own territory, amen. When he said it is finished, victory was won at Calvary. Praise God, when he died, you died. And when he was buried, we were buried with him. And when he arose, we arose to walk in newness of life. Thank God, I'm glad Jesus, with that cry of victory at the cross of Calvary, gave you and I victory. Amen. Who will just simply trust him and the finished work of Calvary. When he said it is finished, it was the final payment. The tense of the word that he used here, this tense of this word when he said it is finished, that means it is finished, it stands finished, and it will always be finished. You know, and I, I've heard uh, different writers and stuff like that, they talk about how when Jesus bowed his head and gave up the ghost, it's almost like that, that Jesus was defeated when he yeah. did that. Yeah. But back in those days, when they had the Olympic Games, when the person that would win their particular event, when they would go to the podium... They wouldn't raise their hands. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do any of that. 
they would simply go to the podium and they would bow their head, not in defeat, but in victory. When Jesus bowed his head and he gave up the ghost, he bowed his head in victory, not in defeat. And I've got news for you tonight. There's going to be battles. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be issues in your life. But if you've got Jesus in your life, I can promise you by the authority of the word of God and the finished work of Calvary, if you'll lean on Jesus, realize what he did for you and realize that he now lives in you and desires to live that life through you, you can have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ because he said it is finished. Bless everybody stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Preacher, I'm finished. You may be here tonight. You're trusting in something you've done. You must trust in what he did. It's finished. You can't add to it or take it away. Victory was won at Calvary.